Well, actually, Big D's going through the Big E today, Duke. Isn't that how it works? Uh, that's another classic song. That's, uh, who is that again now? Uh, that's Mark Chestnut. <laughs> Mark Chestnut. Uh, you know, solid, solid performer. Are you a big fan of the Chester? Uh, yeah, uh, he, he's not necessarily near up the the top of my list and compared to some of his peers in his uh, time period. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, how can you not love that one? That one's that one's great. He's and he's got a he's got a great um, a collection, like a, a great list of songs and tracks. But uh, yeah, not quite near up. Uh, some of the guys we talk about in this program pretty regularly: uh, Keith Whitley, yes. Shenandoah, George and, uh, Strait. You know what? We haven't had much George Strait on. Um. No, um, I normally like to play more so- uh, songs a little more upbeat to them coming out of the break. You know, we're here mm-hmm. in the morning, keep things going. And, and George, uh, much more known for, you know, the ballads, the uh, the Didn't love he? songs and things. He's, he's got more, he's got plenty that uh, mm-hmm. do have a little bit more pace to them. Uh, but maybe I'll have to dive into those for uh, I guess uh, tomorrow or next week. Amarillo by morning would be sort of in Amarillo, Texas was kind of my sure. angle there. You know, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else that George Strait sings that's Dallas related, is there? Well, Fort Worth, does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? There you go. Duke knows them all, man. Yeah. <laughs> I hope but What are you uh, going to have? Are you going to have the eight track going to CFR on tomorrow night when you take the old pickup truck in the Red Deer or what? I, uh, once I pick the boys up uh, to head over to the rodeo, I'll probably throw on my prime country yeah. playlist on the old uh, street, on the old Spotify that I've built up. A lot of 80s and 90s greats, including plenty of George Strait on there too. Is the big Cebolla going with you? No, no, he uh, will. He's. Uh, I'm sure if I'd invited him, he probably would have. But no, this will be mostly guys from mm-hmm. uh, Delburn that will be uh, partaking with me tomorrow night. Uh, Coach L comes in and says, "Great song. The lyrics are out of this world. His phrasing, great show." Um, George the Possum Jones. George Jones. Yes, we'll get some of George Jones on for sure. Uh, time now for. Uh, our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December the 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Owen Newkirk uh, to the program. Uh, Owen, welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning. Morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. So just your, uh, I guess, general take on uh, last night's Dallas win in Calgary where, you know, uh, maybe they were a little fortunate in the third period to sneak out of there with two points. Yeah, I, I think that you guys, if you watched any of that game last night, you got a little snapshot of the way the Dallas Stars season has been so far, which is piling up points and getting results, but not necessarily being incredibly happy with the way they played for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought that the second period was dominant and they really showed the kind of game that when they're going – makes them a potential Stanley Cup contender. I thought that Jake Ottinger really carried the load in the third when Calgary put a big push. And give them credit for a team that's now lost six in a row in regulation. They played extremely Mm -hmm. hard. I mean, uh, Ryan Huska said before the game that effort wasn't their problem, and you saw that last night. But at the same time, you're right. The Stars were a little fortunate because I thought they were on their heels in the third. I thought they were really on their toes in the middle period. Uh, it was okay in the first, mm-hmm. it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't bad, but it, I, I don't know if I'm submitting that for my season ending awards. <laughs> uh, Owen Newkirk, uh, stars pre and post game on uh, KTCK is our guest on sports uh, 1440. Uh, when you looked at the body of work last night from Jake Ottinger, man, 43 saves, 
I'm, I mean, we just had Ladislav Schmid on here. He's our co-host on Thursdays. We assume, I guess, that the Oilers will see um, uh, Scott Wedgwood. Would that be the direction you would believe the Stars would go tonight? Yeah, we won't know most likely until tonight because after playing last night, I, I'm mm-hmm. positive that they, they won't have a mandatory skate this morning. But yeah, the expectation is that Wedgwood would play this game. You know, the, usually you see that anyway, but particularly this year, the Stars have made a real point of emphasis of trying to get Wedgwood more appearances and lighten the load for Ottinger a bit. They felt that he was a little tapped out in the playoffs, especially after the first round last year. And so they, I think the goal, obviously things can change and the health of your backup is a big part of that. Uh, last year, Wedgwood had a couple of uh, unfortunately timed injuries where it limited him to 18 starts and they would like to see him in that 25 to 30 range to make sure that Ottinger's not playing 60 plus games this year before a potential playoff push. So Again, they obviously want to balance it out. Wedgwood, when he's healthy, is a fantastic goalie. In fact, the the team has a lot of uh, confidence in his ability. One thing that they we didn't see from Wedgwood last year was he didn't get a lot of run support mm-hmm. in games that he started. And you know, he he'll be the first to admit that when you play the second night of a back to back, you're not always getting your team's best game because they're trying to deal with fatigue. He had the start against. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers a couple of Saturdays ago mm-hmm. and he got run support. Now they also, the team gave up three shorthanded goals against, which was an NHL record to still win a game by doing that. Um, but that wasn't on him. And so, yeah, even if this were just an everyday back to back, you'd expect Wedgwood. But in my case, uh, they want him to not be playing once every two or three weeks. Right. Oh, Newkirk is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, yesterday, Owen, I uh, asked uh, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft about Joe Pavelski because he had obviously had uh, was with Joe in San Jose with his time there. Uh, man, he just went on and on about uh, how much respect he had uh, for Joe in the game. And I'm, I guess just what's it like to watch what Joe continues to do for for you at his age coming up pushing 40 years old to watch him on a, a day-to-day basis and seeing him still contribute to this uh, Dallas Stars team. The crazy thing is that he's I'm still older than he is, but he's the closest guy on the <laughs> roster to me. I remember when I broke into pro hockey about 20 years ago, there was only one player on our United Hockey League roster, which was double A hockey back mm-hmm. then, uh, who was younger than me by one month. Well, now it's not even close, and it's going to get worse and worse. I'm closer in age to the coaches now than I am to the players. But watching Pavelski play, it's not like, oh, wow, look, he's found a way to hang on. He's getting better. Mm -hmm. It's insane. It makes absolutely no intuitive sense, but yet he does it in such a professional manner. And we we watch what he does, and it's not by accident. Everything he does is is planned. He he works incredibly hard. He's always on the ice early. He has a routine that works for him. And what really is impressive is how it wears off on the other players on the Stars roster, especially the young guys. And watching players like Wyatt Johnson and Ty Delandria, just to name a couple, mm-hmm. what, sort of begin to emulate and adopt the habits and the routines that Pavelski does. And then watching them start to have that kind of success in games the way that Joe does. And look, we all know Joe has the maybe the best hand-eye coordination in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League. And it's not even a thing where you go, boy, isn't that fun to see? 
it's expected. He's that yeah. good, and he does it constantly. Um, the the question that I've been asked a lot lately is, how much longer does he have in the tank? And the thing that's funny to me is, I think he can go on. He's a machine. He mm-hmm. can go on forever. To me, if the Dallas Stars were fortunate enough to win the Stanley Cup this year, then I could see Joe Pavelski going, you know, this has been a, a Hall of Fame career. I'm satisfied to move on to the next part of my life. If they don't win the Cup, and let's face it, 31 teams are going to be disappointed this year. I see him signing another one-year deal and continuing to try to find a way to to chase that cup. Yeah, I mean, very good points for sure. Uh, Owen Newkirk, uh, stars and pre and post uh, game host on uh, KTC. Okay, uh, wanted to change gears to a local product, Sam Steele, who signed uh, with Dallas. Um, we've been covering, I've been covering Sam for a long time now, ever since his, his Bantam days in, in Sherwood Park when he was going head-to-head with the likes of Tyler Benson uh, here in the Edmonton area. What have you seen from Sam that he can contribute to this team moving forward this year? I think he's a very smart player. Um, we watched him in Anaheim. Obviously, he had the run with Minnesota last year, and we saw him in the playoffs. And I think that made a particularly big impression with the Stars front office was how well Sam played against the Stars in that first-round playoff series last year. But what really strikes me is that he has, like many of our players, a knack of being able to get to the net and create problems and score. Well, with the depth that the Stars have up front right now, again, I always predicate with this with if everybody stays healthy, because that's the magic elixir, I think. Having Sam Steele on your fourth line has a really good sign of the depth of your offensive attack. So having him playing fourth line role, but being as offensive and capable as he is being able to move up to the lineup, if he has to, to help, you know, if there are injury issues, I think really benefits this team. Owen Newkirk is our guest on Sports 1440. Um, What about Wyatt Johnston? Uh, Owen, sometimes a a player might regress after a a really solid uh, rookie season where he had a phenomenal year uh, for Dallas, but we haven't kind of seen that uh, happen so far this year. Well, there's two things. So first and foremost, Wyatt Johnston, what he did last year is not normal. And that's in a really good way. Most teenagers don't come in in their first year in the NHL and avoid the rookie wall, somehow get better every single day and look more and more calm and composed instead of feeling, you know, that sort of initial pressure of playing against the world's best players. He, I've I've never, I'll tell you one thing. When I was 18 or 19 years old, I did not have that kind of composure (laughs) that he has. It was incredible to watch last year. Uh, I think it really helped that on his own doing, Joe Pavelski took him under his wing he and his family offered Wyatt a, a room in their house. So mm-hmm. he was basically their billet family. Um, and to do that, I thought was really uh, a great way. And the team was really happy with sort of easing Wyatt as a teenager into playing as a professional. Well, this year, Pavelski said the offer still stands. He still has a key and he can stay if he likes. We love having him, but if he wants to go on his own, he can. Well, he's still with the Pavelskis and Pete DeBoer was actually asked about that because Wyatt was, you know, off to another nice start here to start the season. And he said he thinks that this is a good sort of uh, maybe he called it a halfway house, which was kind of (laughs) silly, but a a way of Wyatt, again, 
slowly transitioning to being on his own. I think that will happen, but I think they're pretty aware of the the normal sophomore slump issues that happen with players. And they think that this is one of the ways to maybe try to at least alleviate part of that potential. Oh, Newkirk is with us on Sports 1440. Stars and pre-post game host on KTCK. Um, how would you, I mean, when you look at what Jim Neal has done and assembled and put together this team, I don't know, it's for some reason you get the, the fact that he's really making all the right moves. He's maneuvering players in and out with the salary cap. Uh, it's not like he, a lot of GMs come in and they got a, a big mess to clean up. Uh, like, you know, like Craig Connery, we talked about what he's got to do uh, in Calgary. And, you know, Billy Guerin had to buy out uh, a couple of players for 15 mil. But it just seems that it, uh, Neil just, it's just sort of just slow and steady, no waves. Everything's just sort of kind of nice and easy. How would you kind of uh, respond to how what Jim Neil is doing as a, a GM of the Dallas Stars? Yeah, I think that it's been a work in progress because he had to make a big splash back when he first got to Dallas and he made the big Tyler Sagan trade. And that was a big shift for this organization. And then he built a roster that was really good, especially the 15-16 season, where I think if they had gotten better goaltending, they could have won a Stanley Cup that year. They were that good. Uh, But then that group started to age a bit. You know, Patrick Sharp uh, had some injury problems. Jason Spezza got a little older and things just tilted a little bit. Now Mm -hmm. he's had to go through more coaches than he probably thought he would have had to in his tenure. And it's certainly over this length of time. But after bringing in Pete DeBoer, uh, who, let's face it, is has been able to benefit from the foundations that Ken Hitchcock, Jim Montgomery and Rick bonus all built defensively because this was a really good defensive structured team under those three coaches. They didn't have the offensive depth. Uh, Rick bonus, great coach, uh, Mon- Jim Montgomery. Fantastic. You've seen what he's done mm-hmm. in Boston as well. Yeah. Uh, the problem bones had was is the stars didn't have the offensive depth beyond the top line. Well, now there's a couple of things. The 2017 NHL draft has helped a lot. And Jim and his uh, amateur scouting group really did a great thing to get Miro Haskinen, uh, Jake Ottinger, and Jason Robertson. And of course, they also have the mm-hmm. development of Rope Hints. And then to get Wyatt Johnston and uh, Maverick Bork, who's in the pipeline, Logan Stankoven, who's on his way playing in the AHL right now, uh, Leon Bixel. Their first-round pick from Switzerland is looks like he's going to be a mammoth defenseman. He's mm-hmm. just starting his AHL career. Uh, Jim has done something which he's always wanted to do, and it finally has fallen into place, which is to have waves of talent. You have the veterans, Ben Sagan, Pavelski, Ryan Suter. You have, uh, Matt Duchesne was a, a nice add as a buyout guy to come in at a pretty reasonable cap hit. Mm-hmm. Duchesne's looked really good so far for the Stars as and on a very – economical three million cap hit. Then you have Haskin and Hintz, uh, Robertson, the next wave, you've got Wyatt Johnston and Ty Delandria, the younger guys sort of in three different waves. And then those others. And Jim has always said from his Detroit Red Wings days that the key to prolonged success is to have sort of constantly adding a cycle group as you start to let one go. From a, you know, an opposition broadcaster, how's that sound, Owen? What do you think uh, you'll see tonight from uh, an Oilers Stars tilt? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks the discontent in Alberta of mm-hmm. both Edmonton and Calgary of the way they've started. Um, 
I'm imagining the Oilers felt a lot better about Sunday's outdoor game, uh, the Heritage Classic, than Calgary did because the Flames were still talking about the same disappointment. Um, Pete DeBoer said to us right before they embarked for Alberta that Mm – it was hard to take a lot out of that game because, again, it's an outdoor game and uh, you can watch it and see how things go. But from a technical standpoint, it's not the same as a regular indoor performance. Um, I, I think we, from the Stars' perspective, always see the two big guns of McDavid and Dreisaitl mm-hmm. and always kind of shirk a little bit and go, oh, boy, if these guys have a, one of their vintage performances, it's going to be a long night. Uh, that being said, uh, one of the things that I love watching is the battle between Connor McDavid and Miro Haskinen because as good as the, the offensive defensemen around the league are, Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, Eric Carlson, just to name a couple, I think Miro, who may not co- have quite a 100-point offense, although I think mm-hmm. he has it in him, I think he's the best defensive defenseman of that group. And that's what gives him the chance to maybe win a Norris Trophy, whether it be this year or down the road. Watching Miro, who has the speed and the defensive abilities to at least stay with Connor McDavid, very few have that. It's an incredible matchup. I would love to see it when he hasn't played the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be a concern because I think that the uh, the Oilers' speed that they have could be a real problem when you're playing the second night of a back-to-back. Because it's Edmonton and Calgary, we always seem when the Stars go up there, we, we're going to play – somebody on the second night, it seems. Yeah, uh, but so that right, being yeah. said, uh, I, I like the Stars' defensive structure. Uh, Dallas's penalty kill has been top two so far. They gave up their second power play goal against last night to Calgary. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for the Oilers, who always seem to have an incredibly scary power play, that could be a really fun matchup, too. We'll see how the energy goes tonight. It'll be a fun game to watch, for sure. Uh, Owen, thanks for your time. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Talk soon. My pleasure, Kevin. Thanks for having me today. That's Owen Newkirk, Stars pre- and post-game host on KTCK, The Ticket. And our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out the winter tire lineup. And, of course, ask about the seasonal tire storage once you get your winter tires put on. When we come back, University of Alberta's Pandas head coach, Scott Edwards, uh, checks in. Uh, Stay with us. Kevin Carey Show returns on Sports 1440. Oh, the Duke comes through with a little George Strait. Um, getting ready for CFR, the Duke is. Uh, he'll have the eight-track blasting in the old... What's that? That's a Ford 150 you got, right? Uh, my truck, yeah, half-ton Ford. <laughs> well, uh, this is going to... Uh, you got to take some pictures. I got to see what happens uh, this weekend uh, in Red Deer. Uh, let's uh, go in the community now for uh, United Sport and Cycle. Hockey days are on. You can save up to 35% off United Sport and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years as we welcome in Scott Edwards, Panda's basketball head coach. Uh, morning, Scott. Good to talk to you again. Great to hear you guys back on the air. It's awesome to hear. Well, uh, thanks for coming on uh, this morning. And I imagine uh, the whole U of A uh, basically welcoming welcoming the province of Saskatchewan this weekend. What do you got, about 20 teams coming here to to play games at U of A? Yeah, it feels like it. I think the whole province is moving over here right now for the weekend. Well, it's going to be an interesting night for sure. So uh, your Pandas basketball squad gets uh, things going. Tomorrow night and Saturday night, taking on Saskatchewan here as a, a very important season gets uh, going for you. Um, just as a general uh, question, how did the uh, lady squad look so far this year? 
started the year seven and one in a non-conference season. Our only loss uh, to the defending national champs Carlton. We were out at a tournament in Victoria, so um, good close game. Lost by kind of last minute or so. I think the season started off pretty well for us. Excited to get going. The Pandas will be hosting the 2024 U Sports Championship. Did that change how your recruiting went in the off season? It's funny. A lot of people have asked me about the recruiting part of it. It didn't really change much at all, to be honest. They, the athletes, I mean, it was like a, a nice little bonus for the ones mm-hmm. that, that were serious about coming to U of A, and it didn't really change anybody's opinions of that. I'd been told that by other coaches who hosted mm-hmm. that it didn't really do much for it, but what it has done is just added more excitement around the team specifically and uh, the alumni and the basketball community, but not really so much in the recruiting part. Scott Edwards, Pandas basketball head coach, is our guest on Sports 1440. Scott, can you just discuss the makeup of your team? Who are some of the returning players that you're uh, looking for big things from this year? Yeah, the uh, you know our fans of Pandas basketball will be excited to see a few kind of familiar faces back this year. Where we are returning the National Defensive Player of the Year, Claire Signatovich, uh, engineering student in her fourth year, uh, kind of poised to break out a little bit more offensively this year. I think she's had a great preseason. Jenna Harp, who had a phenomenal um, end of the season last year, just her playoff performance right through the playoffs was just fantastic, and, and she's back in her fifth year now to kind of lead this this group through the to the national championship. And we returned four of our five starters from last year, so Shay McCusker and, and Morgan Harris also rounding out that group, and just kind of spent the preseason sorting out who that fifth starter is going to be for us. But pretty excited about this group this year. Uh, Scott Edwards with us on Sports 1440. Scott, uh, as you probably know, I did a story with Claire Signatovich uh, when I was working mm-hmm. at Global. Uh, what makes her such a, a hard player to play against? Well, there's a few. I mean, natural athletic gifts she's got. She's about six foot two, but a six foot seven wingspan. So she's <laughs> uh, she's a very interesting athlete to watch play. Uh, she she's the the program's all time leading shot blocker. Is going to end up being one of the all time best in Canada West. Um, in that regard, so she's a very, very difficult matchup uh, for, for, and she can guard multiple positions, which is a really big asset. And I think what my colleagues saw when they voted her for National Player of the Year defensively, and on the offensive end, I just use, she's able to use that length, and she's such a phenomenal athlete that she just kind of beats everybody up and down the floor. It's pretty fun to watch her. Also, uh, I did a story as well on Shay McCusker because of her mom um, being the, the, one of the world's uh, best curlers back in the day, Joan. Um, what are you looking for from Shay McCusker this year? Yeah, Shay's had a very fun start to her season. She's one of our quieter offensive players and just one of those athletes on every team that uh, and team sports anyway that have those people that they're just – Consistent, you know. I think that's something I, I attribute to her parents and their mm-hmm. their great sports background, both her mother and father, um, and her mom's background in sports psychology too. That she just comes to show up every day. Right? She just plays her tail off every practice, every day. She's the same kid. <clears throat> She's the same type of teammate. She's a good person. She works her tail off, and then she just is a consistent performer on the floor every night for us. Well, I, I better mention Dad Brian, or else I'm going to get in trouble with the McCusker family. I too. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Scott Edwards is our guest on Sports 1440. As the Panas basketball team uh, tips off uh, conference play this Friday, 
at the Savile Centre uh, against the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. So, uh, Scott, can you kind of just uh, touch on Saskatchewan and what you're expecting from the Huskies? Uh, I think, and you know, I asked Chris Morris this as well. They, you know, they have the coaches poll, and you guys are ranked one and two. Uh, how much you can, how much you can put into that? But what can you tell us about uh, the uh, Huskies basketball team? Well, it's a it's a great start to the season for fans of basketball in our community to see the you know the preseason one and two in the conference play each other opening weekend. That doesn't happen very often. So, um, yeah, just a great rivalry with the Huskies. They're a really talented team. Um, they're kind of a middle aged team now with one big superstar player, the, the conference player of the year, on their squad, and so. We've got our hands full. They, they handled this pretty well in conference play last year, and we happened to get them in a playoff game. But um, I, I think that uh, the teams are pretty evenly matched, and, it, and it, they are a very skilled group, and it's going to be a tough tough goal for us this weekend. But I, I know that our athletes are very excited about the challenge and, and to see where we are early in the year. Scott Edwards is with us on Sports 1440. Uh, Scott, you've been with the program going on uh, 20 years, almost two decades coming up here. But mm-hmm. um uh, to put together a team that hosts a, a national championship, so you know you're in. Um, are you doing anything as a coach this year that maybe you would do differently on the psychological end, and, and just things about how you would, I guess, develop your team away from the court to kind of make sure their mindset is there, to make sure all the pieces are in order moving forward this year. Mm-hmm. Well, we when we got the vote or the the bid last year. In the fall, that sort of was the moment everything changed for us, even last season, about this year. Um, we spent all of last season trying to develop a few of the younger athletes that we thought were going to have to step into roles this year. So we started that process a year ago, even, and thrilled with the end of last season's performance. And we, you know, find a way to win our first conference title and we, we go to nationals and finish third. And they got all this experience. And now, this group gets to come home and know what it feels like, sounds like, what the what the pressures were, what the what the work that went into the season, and um, really for the team this year was just trying to keep us um, healthy and fit and ready to go by March. And so, little things that we may have, mm-hmm. you know, like those little injuries that sometimes creep up for athletes that we may have, you know, they may have wanted to or we would have wanted them to push through a little bit, and the medical staff seems they're okay with. We're we're trying to be a little more cautious with those things and allow them to heal a little longer. They don't have to necessarily come quite back the way they would usually. That's one area for sure is just our, our overall well wellness and, and health of our athletes. Um, you know, we're working harder with some sports psychologists mm-hmm. on our staff this year too, just to make sure that we're all in the right mind frame as we go through the season and, and, and just kind of all those little areas, just making sure that we're kind of touching on everything to make sure that they get what they need to, to perform the way they can when we, you know, we ended in a full house at the Savile Center mm-hmm. in March. It's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, and whenever you hear this, uh, you know, you always hear under a circumstance like this when a team is hosting a national championship, you always hear the players over the course of the year say, uh, we don't want to go in the back door, right? We want to go in the, yeah. the front door. So, Yeah, yeah, and that's been their goal since last spring. Um, you know, we started talking about it then, and it's been our goal this year too. Is we want to be one of the uh, Can West first to nationals. We don't want to be in that host berth and win our way and earn our way to the championship. Mm-hmm. For sure. uh, and you did touch on uh, your recruiting, as we guessed with Scott mm-hmm. Edwards on Sports fourteen forty. Who are some of the players that you are bringing into the program that are now, uh, I guess, just finding their way uh, in the on the university yeah. court? Yeah, it's exciting for uh, local sports 
two that we have two of our three rookies this year are from the Edmonton area and they both played at Jasper Place High School so lots of lots of familiarity for our fans um, provincial team athletes in Sarah Cleveland Bridget Olson that just did a, had mm-hmm. a tremendous high school careers and then we brought one athlete out of Ontario her name's Ella Reese and she was yeah. an Ontario provincial team athlete and, and just a great I think people are going to enjoy watching that person that kid shoot the ball she's great uh, are they ready? Uh, how how much playing time are, are younger players like this going to see in the early going here? Yeah, I mean, we had a few injuries early in the year too, so I think there's been some opportunities that uh, that have crept up. I, I, I can see all three of them giving pr- production throughout the year. I think that uh, Bridget, as our backup point guard, is starting to show some some real growth in her game, on, especially this past weekend. And uh, Ella really shoots the ball well. And, and what we love about Sarah, just that her athleticism and tenaciousness about her, her game doesn't seem to play with any fear. So I could see all three of them giving us some really quality minutes throughout the season. Scott Edwards with us. Just a couple more for you, Scott. Um, did you And you touched on your uh, record non-conference play to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just discuss where you went for tournaments and you know just preseason games and things like that? Yeah, we had a, a great tournament. We went out to Victoria actually for a, a, a trip, and were able to, like I said before, play the University of Carl- or Carlton University, the defending national champs, and that was sort of set up. Their coach and I uh, just talked and said, "Well, where can we meet? <laughs> we needed to play each other. We didn't see each other at the tournament last year. They won it, and we came bronze, but we worked on the same semi, so." Um, we wanted to get a chance to play each other, and uh, that tournament had University of Victoria and UBC Okanagan. And then we were lucky enough to be able to host twice. So we've had two tournaments here in Edmonton and played most of our preseason here. And I, our goal with that was just to try to get as many of the best teams in the country to come to Edmonton early in the year for us to get a chance to see them and, and play as much on our home floor as possible just to get as comfortable as we could before the national championships in March. Uh, I asked this to all the coaches we've talked to, uh, you know, in the early going from U of S or pardon me, U of A or even McEwen about uh, how the students uh, handle things both academically and athletically. So how would you say your team addresses that to be the best that they can be both, uh, you know, on the court and in the classroom? Yeah, this is an area that, uh, I mean, it's, it's everything we do, right? Trying to support these young athletes and their dreams of playing sport and, and getting their degrees and, you know, we have a very bright group of, of women on this team. Uh, last year we had, uh, I think we were at eight academic All-Canadians, meaning they were pretty elite in their classroom setting. And, and um, really it's just about managing all their days and, and mm-hmm. making sure that they have, get what they need on the academic side, whether that's tutors and, and academic mentors or a little bit of space on a road trip to get some work done. Uh, professors here are fantastic about supporting the, those athletes while we write exams on road trips and things like that. And, I think the general public would be amazed mm-hmm. to see what those those kids do on a daily basis <laughs> on a road trip. <laughs> yeah, I, they're, they're pretty busy. You're exactly right, uh, Scott Edwards. Uh, just run down the, the schedule for uh, the games, times, and of course, all at the Savile Center. Yeah, well, so it starts tomorrow night. Uh, Pandas we play at 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Bears at eight, and then on Friday we're at five o'clock, and the Bears are at seven. And so, should be a great series with the Huskies this weekend. Yeah. Well, what do we got? Five Husky teams in town, right? I think so, yeah. It should be fun. Good rivalry weekend. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it off the top of the show. Rivalry weekend and bring all that cash from Saski in and spend it here, right? Exactly, yeah. We appreciate it. All right. Uh, thanks for your time, Scott. Uh, good luck on the no weekend. Problem. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Scott Edwards, Pandas basketball head coach as we go in the community. Uh, a lot. We do a lot of in the community with uh, whether it be whatever, university, college, Nate, 
High School. Uh, that's for uh, United Sport and Cycle, a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business in the heart of old Strathcona. Man, oh, man. So let's uh, let's see if we can run this down, Duke. So 7 o'clock Friday, Huskies, Bears, Claire Drake Arena. Correct. 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock Friday, Savile Center, Huskies and Pandas, Huskies and Bears basketball. Correct. Saturday, 5 o'clock, Huskies, Bears football, Footfield. Correct. <laughs> I'm just doing this off the top of my head too, Duke. Uh, is it a 7 o'clock start on Saturday night, Game 2, Huskies, Bears hockey? It is indeed. Oh, man. And then the only thing you missed... Um, Something else? Friday, ba- uh, Bears ba- and Pandas basketball is Saturday. both Friday and Saturday. Right, yeah. but it's an earlier start times on Saturday because they like to get away a little sooner. Correct. Uh, six and eight, uh, Pandas, Bears respectively on Friday, right. and then Saturday, five and seven. Man. Connor Hood might be getting a call again, eh? I'm, uh, I've, I've made some tentative plans to uh, double dip on Saturday going from... Bears football oh. uh, and then snaking my way back up to the Drake to uh, catch. There'll be a little overlap, but then catch uh, some Bears hockey as well. Uh, a guy might need a driver for the F-150. You could go to the Oilers game at one against Nashville. Well, uh, based you on, could. I could, but... If you're back from CFR. Well, that's the, the big thing. We talked about this earlier this week that uh, you were... You were uh, chastising the 5 o'clock well, start time for the Bears football, which I understand well, why, and we talked about the Oilers game too. There's there's reasoning. A, and It's a different, like, the, I'll, anyone that goes to the Bears football game at 5, I would bet there might be a handful that would have gone to the Oilers game at 1. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be many people. Not, not a lot both. of overlap there, yeah. I don't think. But even, even just yeah. watching on TV and stuff, right? So There might be a lot that go from Bears football to Bears hockey like you that, yes. will, that are going to miss the first period. If you stay. Or if the, the Bears football is blowing out the, the Huskies, mm-hmm. uh, they've beat them a couple times already this season. Maybe I'll just dip out uh, a little bit early and beat the rush. It's going to be get, a close game. Get there for puck drop. Three, four point games. It was one on the last uh, f- second field goal by Giustini in game two, correct? Let me dream, Kevin. No. Let me dream. I want to catch uh, catch everything in all of its glory. But yeah, that uh, I kind of wish it was an 8 p.m. puck drop uh, Saturday night at the Drake. Or but. how about like four for, for the Bears football? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that but, would be, that's a good, you could, I mean, the tailgating is going to start early at Bears football. Mm-hmm. Actually, Bears tailgating isn't isn't bad. It's, it's oh, really? Yes. It, there's some people in there that like to whip it up. I haven't been uh, since the team actually has become <laughs> substantially more competitive and so the, I think the draw from the crowd yeah. is a lot bigger than it was uh, during my time there. Uh, oh, back in the day, I used to go to the Moser camp, Kevin Moser, hardworking Kevin Moser. He was actually a basketball guy, not football. But, uh, you know, old Chuck Moser was tur- flipping the burgers and things like that back in the day. Um, when we come back, we'll wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. That is one of the all-time pump-up songs, I would imagine, Duke. Top five, top three, top one for you? Uh, maybe not top one, but I love it. Wow. I mean, that was a staple in the, you know, oh. whether it be the warm-up playlist yes. uh, during the hockey games, in the dressing room. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. I love it. For some reason, you know, it, it, you know, when you see playoff hockey in the NHL, I would say it seems, I don't know, six or seven out of the 16 teams, they always go back to the well and they run that one and they have it on the scoreboard and they want to have the fans get into it and, and the fans uh, do get into it. Um, 
Oilers home to the Dallas Stars tonight. Stars come in with a record of six one and one. Winners, uh, well, they've they've been on a roll. And as we kind of listen to Owen Newkirk from Stars pre and post game on uh, KTCK, maybe they've done it a little bit with smoke and mirrors. Uh, last night, that was probably the case. Calgary was by far the better team in the uh, third period. And S. Lindell saved a goal with under a minute left, kicked the, the puck off the goal line, made a beautiful defensive play. Uh, one thing we didn't discuss with the Flames is Connor Zeri had an outstanding game for his first uh, game in the NHL, scored a goal, was on the power play late in the game, was on the ice late in the game uh, for his first NHL game. So um, he was uh, very, very noticeable. Tonight we will see... Wyatt Johnston from the Dallas Stars. Whenever you look back at NHL drafts, it always comes to light and it always is debated by other teams. Why didn't you take this guy? Why did we take who we took? So I don't think we have to kind of go down this path in the sense that people don't know about it, but the Oilers selected ahead of Dallas that year and took Xavier Borgo. Still a work in progress, but fans are fickle. They're impatient. They see what Wyatt Johnston's done. Uh, I always say when a player like this comes along and a team after had the opportunity to draft them, I would just love to see the draft list. Where did you have him ranked? Where did the Oilers have Wyatt Johnston ranked? Did they have him ranked in the second round? Did they have him? They obviously didn't have him ranked higher than Borgo, or else they would have selected him. Where did that team, but not just the Oilers, Minnesota had a chance to take him. Nashville had a chance to take him. The Rangers, St. Louis, Winnipeg. I think it would be fair to say that Wyatt Johnston wasn't on the radar in anyone's top 10 that season in the draft. Uh, maybe he was. Maybe. Maybe Dallas had him in the top 10. That's why the Stars, you know, took him at 23. You're always going to be intertwined, intertwined with a, a guy that you've, you know, could have had the opportunity to draft. Thursday night football tonight, the Duke of Delborn. Where are you heading tonight, Duke? You got uh, CBH. Where are you going? Uh, yeah, uh, oh, as always on Thursday night, headed to a location here in the capital region of the Canadian Brew House. And tonight I am at Jensen Lakes. Where is that? It is uh, the northern tip of St. Albert. I oh, learned okay. that for the first time yesterday when uh, looking it up. So um, like I was saying to Connor yesterday, I kind of assume just based on location, that's probably one of the newer uh, facilities huh. of the CBH. Uh, since it's kind of on the, well, has to be. as, as St. Albert continues to grow northward, obviously not much room for it to grow southward, uh, running into the Anthony Henday, but yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. The, um, the matchup on paper doesn't mm-hmm. look super enticing. We talked about Pittsburgh's, uh, kind of lackluster offense, uh, Tennessee, this kind of just mid range team that, uh, you know, wins a game, loses a game, uh, after the tough showing over, uh, overseas, they come back with a big win, uh, last week, Malik Willis. Look great, and I think that'll probably be the uh, the biggest storyline for me heading in tonight. Is uh, can Malik Willis or Malik Willis 
Um, Will Levis. <laughs> Will yeah. Levis, pardon yeah. me. Malik Willis, the other yeah. uh, quarterback there. Uh, Will Levis, excuse me, uh, if he can duplicate that great performance he had and uh, if him and DeAndre Hopkins continue to exhibit this really great chemistry. I, I, okay, first, I don't think he can duplicate it. <laughs> it would okay. be tough. It would be tough. Uh, as uh, we had uh, Teresa Walker on covering the Titans uh, off the top of the show, uh, she said it was one of the NFL debuts for the ages, one of the best ever. Four touchdown uh, passes. He was uh, 19 to 29, 238 yards. Uh, obviously found the chemistry very quickly with DeAndre Hopkins, even though she said that you know they didn't really practice together much because he was third team and obviously Hopkins first team. You know, I looked at that game and I was watching a little replay on uh, NFL Network. There were two passes out of the three touchdowns that were... I would say not on the mark. Mm-hmm. Like Hopkins made really good catches, like really good catches, especially that one behind him on that uh, come across pattern over the middle. Yeah. That ball was probably off thrown by three, four yards, maybe eh, three yards, maybe two. Uh, yeah. Two yeah, yards. Yeah. So yeah three just behind three, him. Three you know. to five feet for sure. Yeah. Um, but behind. you know, he let up too, right? Yeah. Uh, if he would have caught him in stride. So let's just, let's just see what Will Levis does now that, uh, some big-time bullets are going to be flying in Pittsburgh. Steelers, again, we've touched on the fact that the Steelers do it with defense for the most part. Try to win games with their defense. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, Kenny Pickett has been, well, meh. To, like, you know, to be honest, he's been very, very inconsistent. Was injured last week. Said he would play no matter what this Thursday. Steelers, though, again, at 4-3, and three, they come in and... I'm not sure if they, besides their defense, where you know what you're getting, they have that identity. They sure don't have one on offense. We don't see that. No one knows what's going to happen game to game between what happens in the run game with Najee Harris. Jalen Warren comes in and seems to spell off Harris and does quite well. Um, Can maybe carry the load offensively if something were to happen to Harris. Dante Johnson just came back. Is he a player that maybe can help out Kenny Pickett with some more completions. Uh, a good route runner, has some good speed. Used to have, man, it was it was automatic that Dante Johnson would have, you know, 80 catches. Now it's just like, man, where, where is he? What's he been doing? Uh, so that's coming up tonight. Uh, of course, the Oilers in action. And then uh, it's a big night and a big weekend on campus. It's going to, and Duke's going to the CFR. Uh, this comes in from Kmart to our text line, one 401 1440 Boys, CFR Cabaret tomorrow night. Quinton Blair, backed by the CFR All-Star Band, who collect- collectively hold more CCMA awards than can fit in a tractor bucket. <laughs> Come on down, everyone should. Night one of CFR 49 was great. And what did you respond, Duke? I'll see you there. I'll see you I, there. Uh, I, I'm obviously just going for uh, the main reason, going just for the rodeo. I love to take in the the sport. I'm a fan. Uh, I'll probably pop over to the cabaret afterwards, maybe for a few minutes. Like mm-hmm. I said, just check out the band um, and then depart. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Hard to say till I get there. <laughs> you're, this is going to be this is going to be a nightmare weekend for the Duke. I can just see. Things getting out of control. There's a lot going on. And then the uh, early start on Sunday morning with the uh, Germany game between the Dolphins and Chiefs. So um, I better get as much sleep in uh, on uh, Friday night as I can. And let me just, 
warn you, Duke, one other thing that we haven't really discussed yet. On Monday morning, we're coming in here technically an hour earlier. Yeah, I don't know if the time change is wait, as big of an issue I anymore. will guarantee you that you will go. Because everything does it automatically now. The phones, the computers, they all make the change. The only thing I have to change we'll is see. my truck. Well, it's not about that. It's the body clock, man. You're my- coming in with one hour less. Like, you're going to bed on Sunday night after a hard weekend. You're talking about all the events you're doing Friday and a hockey and Saturday game Sunday and- night. Beer league game. We better get the show and like start preparing Monday show right now. It's already in the works. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, we might need Lorianne Munzer when she comes in on Monday to work the work board. Work the board for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, we gain an hour. Sorry. Yeah, That's we, what fall, we fall we, back. We fall back. So you're getting an hour. Yeah. You're, I was trying to scare you, dude. You, uh, oh, you could never, yeah, Kev. I was trying to scare you. I'm fearless. Uh we're talking about the draft and Borgo and Wyatt Johnson. Imitation Tom says it links to the Barzell discussion. The Oilers never would have drafted him with that pick anyways. Uh, he wasn't on the radar, as you said. Um, Borgo is going to be a stud. Also, the Oilers are a hard team to crack with the top six the way it is. Johnson had an easier team to crack. I don't know about that. I bet Borgo has a better career once he gets here. Uh, it's fallback, Kev. Thanks, B. You get an extra hour of sleep. Well, now I'm I'm happy about the Duke. I yeah. put a scare the scare this, this weekend. I scared the bejesus out of him, and now he's this locked and loaded weekend couldn't have come at a better time. I'll get us get a bonus hour of sleep. <laughs> this this isn't this isn't good. I I don't I don't like the way this weekend shaping up for the Duke. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Um. Yeah, everyone's all over me now, uh, man. I don't know why I was thinking that would gain another hour. Um, you know the other the other draft pick that really I always, I always think about the Oilers in the sense of where was he on the radar and could he have helped your team down the road where the Oilers selected? And it comes back to to um, Tyler Benson, the 2016 NHL entry draft. Tyler Benson was selected in the second round by the Oilers. But a defenseman who, at the time, and is still playing, Andrew Peak in Columbus, two picks later. Where, where, like, where did the Oilers have a guy like that? You know, uh, because that's what they needed after you know after they selected, you know, in 2016, they took Puliyarvi early. But then, did you need another forward? Did you did you think maybe you know a defenseman is where we want to go? A stay-at-home defenseman. And I'm not saying Andrew Peak is going to win the Norris Trophy or anything like that. Been hurt a few times. Did you know he's just coming back in this year? But reliable, big, strong. Where did where was he ranked? Uh, those are just and we can argue that to death all day long. Um, I don't know anything else on your mind, Duke. We got about a minute here, so. Uh, What's what's coming up? Who do you got coming up on uh, Fantasy Frenzy? On Fantasy Frenzy today, uh, Connor, former Rochep Tiber, yes, Connor Halley, and myself are going to be joined by, pause for dramatic effect, mm-hmm. Alan Soslowski. I hope I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right. Wow. Uh, from uh, from Rotowire, uh, talking a little fantasy football, of course. Uh, Thursday night, a lot of lineup decisions needing to be made, and probably more so... Um, you know, bye weeks back in action. Every team was in action last week. Some more bye weeks. Uh, the travel of the Miami-Kansas City game, probably going to mm-hmm. ask Alan about that and if it's going to impact yeah. this high-flying Dolphins offense. Isn't that going to be ex- – that's one of the few times that a guy at 9 in the morning – sorry, 7.30, right? 
Is that uh, that's kickoff time. Kickoff time, yeah. seven thirty. So, is that an hour ahead or an hour behind? Do we get an extra hour of sleep there? No, just kidding. Thanks for all the messages. Um, a guy's really going to be fired up to watch that game because a lot of these games, you know, it seems it's been Jacksonville every second time you watch. In right? England, yes, yeah. always. They, I think, they play this at least a, one game there every yeah, year now. Yeah. So this one's in Frankfurt, right? I believe so. Yes, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Germany. and yep. then. Maybe another one in Munich sometime. Oh, it's going to be exciting. The, so exciting. The German fans, they love their football and they love their beer. Well, We've they had seen, the, uh, the, the Galaxy, right, over there? The European football? Mm-hmm. The Frankfurt Galaxy? I wonder if they're an hour ahead. Well, not even not even everywhere here does daylight savings. <laughs> Saskatchewan doesn't do daylight savings no. time. So was that, a, was that a tough transition for you when you moved no. to Alberta? Well, I'll, I'm... No. I love it. I'm not getting into the time stuff here. We've got to get going. Uh, thanks for everybody for uh, listening this morning. Thanks to all our guests. Teresa Walker from the Associated uh, Press right off the hot. We um, interviewed Matthias Ekholm yesterday. Great guest again uh, in our 8 o'clock hour. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli with our co-host every Thursday from 8 to 10, Ladislav Schmid. What a treat it was to have Kenny Lacusta in studio with Laddie talking about the old times with George Foreman and uh, sparring with uh, Mike Tyson and things like that. And Kenny continues to bring it in the boxing community to this day. Owen Newkirk uh, from the Dallas Stars uh, pre- and post-game show. And Scott Edwards from Pandas Basketball as the Pandas get ready, as just about every U of A team does get ready for Saskatchewan uh, this weekend. Coming up at the top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy with... Former uh, Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn. Uh, at 12, it's the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Jason Greger takes us home on uh, Sports 1440 from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger Show. Uh, thanks uh, so much, everybody, for listening. We're back uh, bright and early tomorrow at 7 with co-host Eddie Steele. Uh, have a great day. Uh, at the top of the hour again, Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, though, here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.